Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 192. This is an episode in our special series recorded live from the Podcast Central at Build. We bring you the best guests for some of the best announcements. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. Replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files or having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. Check it out today at raygun.com. We're now with Tara Raj, Program Manager on the Windows Development Platform Team, and Sarah Cooley, Program Manager on the Windows Kernel Team. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. So we're here to talk about the Windows Subsystem for Linux, or WSL for short, in case we end up using that acronym throughout the the show. But, um, you know, we did have an episode on it, but I think it was like a year ago. So I think we should start with a recap of what WSL is. Okay, so WSL is a combination of kernel mode components and a user mode helper tool that basically takes stuff coming out of Linux and converts it to something that the Windows NT kernel understands. Um, so what this effectively means, if you are somebody running WSL, is you can run Linux com- Linux apps, binaries, like the, the Linux... and. Blah. You can run any Linux tool that you'd like to run on Windows without having to do anything to support it. So you go, you enable the feature, you download your favorite Linux flavor of choice, and then you can run any tool available in that distribution from apt-get to ls to pwd to whatever whatever you need to run, you can run it. Kause, Fortune, Mm -hmm. Yancat. Yeah. The important <laughs> Some of ones. our favorite demos. I literally, yeah. This is all the things I'm sure you're running. So, I mean, I just want to make it clear to everybody because this is like the, the inevitable questions are like, oh, so is this emulation? Is this Hyper-V? Like, what the heck is this? But it's actually natively running on there. Like, the, the demo that I always give to people, and we were talking about this before the show, is like, I just open it and I show people that it opens in like a half second. Mm-hmm. And then I close it. I open it. I, and we go into like task manager and look at, you know, Hyper-V is not running. Like, it, it just everything is, is actually running. And these are like unchanged Linux binaries. So it really is. You just, you've created magic is the short version of it. Yeah. So, I mean, really what it effectively means is your command prompt now includes everything available in a Linux distribution. Yep. Which is super awesome. So what's new in, in over the past year since we've last ta- had an episode on this that would be interesting for us to uh, hear about? Yeah, one of the big things is that you can actually get distributions from the store now. So we have five distributions available. We have Ubuntu, two versions of SUSE. So we have SUSE, OpenSUSE, and SLES. Uh, we have Debian and Kali Linux. And the latter of those two are fairly new. They came out in the past month. And you can actually run these side by side, which is another interesting thing. So not only oh, do you get them from the that. store, yeah. So so what do you have to do to like switch between OSs? Yeah, so one thing that we have is a configuration tool where you set your default distro. And then basically what you can say is, for example, if you're in your command prompt and you want to launch Ubuntu, you say Ubuntu.exe and then you're launching Ubuntu. You want to launch Debian, you exit out and say Debian.exe, and you have Debian going. It's just as simple as that. So then if you just have like multiple uh, uh, 
uh, windows open, you could have that's how you get them side by side. So you have uh, what you know one yeah. command line on one side, one on the other, and so that's definitely one option. Yep. So you can actually have different windows open where one of them is running Debian, one's opening running Ubuntu, etc. Um, you can also use them all on the same command line. So one of my favorite demos to run is actually something like. Debian run Fortune and pipe the output from that to Ubuntu run Kausei. So you have Kauseiing <laughs> That's really the cool. Fortune that came out of Debian. I mean, kind of a trivial example, but you can actually mix and match them on the same command prompt. Um, we talk about WSL a lot. So you do have a default OS or so a default distribution that you can run. And the handy thing about that is most Linux distributions will have a core set of tools that's similar. So if you use write a script and you use WSL grep, you know, string, mm -hmm. then whether that person consuming your script is running Ubuntu or Debian or you know, even Kali or one of the other distros, it probably has grep. So that way you can create a more portable script that's a little bit more distribution agnostic. Yeah, that's going to be interesting when somebody's like, well, what operating system are you running on that machine? <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, all of them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, so you're using virtualization? Nope, I'm running all the operating systems natively, all at the same time. And I have them all talking to each other. Yep. Uh, so um, I remember at one point, it was a little confusing because whenever we were talking to Rich, you know, like I think it was like a, a, around a year ago, um, we were talking about Bash on Windows, and then he was also saying, well, it's sort of like Windows subsystem for Linux, which is like about as confusing but um it's it's basically been rebranded from 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 bash to wsl so what was the reason for the for the rebranding yeah so that's actually a great question i'm glad you asked but as we've moved to a more multi-distro uh, environment mm -hmm. what's happened is that different distributions don't always run bin bash so when we were running bash exe what we were actually doing is launching the distribution and then literally running bin bash but some distributions, so like right now we're talking to Alpine, run bin sh. And some users would prefer to run like Z shell or a different kind of shell emulator. So we hadn't quite realized when we first shipped how restrictive that was, but it turns out it was a little restrictive. Now we actually ask the distro which shell you'd like to use as your default experience, and we use that. So we've actually expanded beyond bash to Z shell and sh and ash and bash and anything you'd like to use. <laughs> right, and that's why we felt that the Windows subsystem for Linux was a more appropriate long-term name. Yeah, that makes sense. So what, what's the story about interoper the interoperability between Windows and these various uh, versions of Linux? Because, you know, I, I see, like, there's some things that, like, as a developer, like, I don't want to set, like, twice on all of these things. Like, I might have environment variables. I might have, like, my host file. And, you know, even, like, the... Um, well, just getting files around. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 like, the file system itself. You know, how, how does that handled um, on WSL? Yeah, so I guess I can take the environment variable side of this, and then Sarah will jump into the file system. Mm -hmm. So we actually released an environment variable tool, or an environment variable that you can have called WSL ENV. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to do just what you're saying. You can specify what you want to move across between Windows and your WSL instance. And that environment variable, you essentially have just like a comma-separated value, for example, and you can specify what you'd like to move across. And so is, is that like seamless. one way, like Windows to WSL, or is that like two-way? It's both ways. That's awesome. Yeah, and we have a pile of other tools, such as WSL Path, which does path conversions for you. And So is that like I could like 
copy the path. Like if I'm in Windows on a command prompt, I like just copy the path that I happen to be at and like paste it, but it pastes as Linux or, you know, what, how does that's that work? Exactly, that's exactly <laughs> how it works for you. Yeah. And it's as long as you have WSL path configured that mm-hmm. you'll have your slashes in the right direction that you'd like. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's something that can really get you is we're talking about interop here. You might not, you like you're blurring the lines mm-hmm. between whether you're in Windows or Linux. So here you don't need to remember which side you're in. Yeah. It just converts those paths for so, you. So like, you know, if I'm in like slash users slash Carl, it'll paste, it'll like, when it pastes, it'll be like slash USR slash, or, or slash bin slash USR you, slash Carl or something like that. You do need to run it through the WSL path tool. So if you're okay. running in Ubuntu or Debian, we actually inject WSL path as mm-hmm. our own custom, um, I hesitate to say binary, yeah. but it's our own application. So you'd run WSL path on the command line and then you'd paste your path into that and the yep. output you'd get would be properly formatted with... nice you know, the right slash directions. And um, I'm going to take this opportunity to transition to file sharing. So since you are running a Linux instance and you want access to your Windows file system, we've actually mounted your C drive under mount in your Linux environment. So the other thing that WSL path does is it adds the mount C to your path. (laughs) So if you take a Windows path from your Windows drive and and you paste in, you know, WSL path and you want like, your user directory documents or whatever. It'll also add the mount C prefix. So it'll be slash mount C in user documents, et cetera. That's very cool. And then um, one thing I did see in the keynote that I guess we we didn't really chat about was uh, Notepad has actually been updated to support Linux line ending as well. (laughs) That is one that we are very excited about. And it's actually the WSL layer that essentially helped make that possible. Oh, okay. And so, yes, Notepad does now support Linux line endings. Mm -hmm. And for people who have run into that issue before, it's a pretty big blocker when you have everything just as one messy string. So now you can have your files (laughs) in a sane looking way. (laughs) So for people who want to open up logs on Notepad or who entered something in Vim, now you can open that in, in Notepad and it'll all look right. Yeah. Okay. I, I do want to go back because I, I think one of the things I asked about, I saw a demo of, and I just want to like make sure our users understand this too. Like, uh, I mentioned the host file. So I saw somebody, you know, they made a custom entry in the Windows host file and restarted the, the WSL for their distro and like, it was just there. And like, as a developer, like a lot of times you might want to be doing weird things on your local dev box. And that just makes it so easy to keep it sane be- when you're working in, in, in the multi-operating system environment like that. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yep. <laughs> I wish I had more to add, but yeah, no, that's the one that I think. Like, it sounds like a neat demo, yeah. yeah. No, you, you got it. That's exactly what happened. Well, and, and it sort of gets us back to the root, too, of like why, I mean, one of the main drivers, why any of this functionality exists. I mean, it's for developers, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's funny that we're like shocked, like, wow, all these features you're adding make life, life easier for developers. Well, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> there are a ton of choices right now. So for me, like the the Cliff Notes version of why WSL is amazing is at least monthly, I'll be really excited about something I read on the internet and I'll go pick up the documentation and it might be written in a Linux first or like Linux forward way. And it's so frustrating when you can't run that. 
So to me, WSL just gives people the ability to run anything regardless yep. of how they how they stumbled upon it and what instructions they got or what they're comfortable in. I agree. I, I can't remember what the tool was, but I ran into something like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I can't remember exactly what the tool was, but sure enough, I found a Linux one and I'm just like, oh, I wish I could, wait a second, I can run that. Sue the app kit. Yeah, exactly. I pulled it, I pulled it down, ran it and it worked, it worked great. Yeah. And in addition to that, like the start of the show for WSL is really this interoperability and the fact that there really are no bounds. If you do want bounds and want to have something that is very isolated, then you have a VM for that. So this is a very lightweight way to go back and forth between your Linux and your Windows system. And it just makes development so much easier. Yeah, exactly. Really, really quickly before we get off of integration. So talking about blurring the bounds between Windows and Linux. Mm-hmm. So we talked about how you can like DB and run, Fortune, Pipe, Kause. You can actually do that between Windows processes. So we actually share your Windows path into WSL. So you can run PowerShell Exe from your Linux environment too. And you can mix and match. So if you want to... So um, the demo I like using, I love VMs. So I can only run get VM in PowerShell. But if I want to be running in my bash prompt, I can run PowerShell get VM. And I can still use pipe and redirect and tail and whatever else I want to run. So I can run yeah. PowerShell, get VM, pipe, grep Ubuntu, and get all of my Ubuntu VMs. It's yeah, amazing. We had, we had Jeffrey Snover on, and I think he was talking about a, a, something like that. It was He had some convoluted demo where he's like connecting five different machines. and He's <laughs> like piping everything around across different operating systems. And Yeah, I, mean, it's, I love it's it. It's pretty wild. I yeah. mean, it used to be that like Windows was like such a sandbox, so that's why, that's why this is so exciting. Raygun provides full-stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com. Get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experiences of your users. Um, so we were talking earlier about side loading and how you can you can just go and, and grab these different distros. Um, but I saw something about like bringing your own distro as well. So how do you how do you yeah. side load, how do you yeah, side so load your own? This is pretty exciting. This is something that we open sourced a project for a couple weeks ago. So hot off the presses, this is a project called the Distro Launcher. And so essentially what you can do is you can specify the tarball of a Linux distro that could be customized. It could be your favorite distro that we don't have in the store yet. And you essentially take that, you package it into an MSIX that is then packaged up similar to how a store application is. And then you pull that onto your local dev machine. And it acts as a store app would and it runs right on top of WSL. It's the... Linux user mode of whatever distribution it is that you've taken from <laughs> the internet, right? Okay, that's pretty So you cool. can sideload that. And the other thing is that distro owners and maintainers can also take that MSIX and then submit it to the store. And we work with them throughout this process. So Sarah mentioned earlier that Alpine Linux is one of the distros that we're working with now. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. So so you don't really have to necessarily even do anything. I mean, it could be, like you said, a, a new distro can come along. They can package it up, and then they can submit it to the store, and you can help them then actually yeah. make it available and to everybody. The distro launcher is essentially a template version of how you can do okay. that. So we step you through the process of what it is you need to specify, a config file that 
or manifest for that exa- for yep. this example that you need to go and change values for. And it's a pretty simple process. We have people spinning these up in about 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, people <laughs> actually use it for sideloading, like truly custom, custom OSs. That's cool. So what kind of reception has there been to WSL over its like first year? It's been great. It's been really exciting to see how well the Linux community is receiving this and mm-hmm. Windows and Linux users alike, especially people, for example, if you're at a company and you receive a Windows machine, but you're used to Linux tools or your favorite tools are Linux tools, you can now just go and grab those and use them and your development workflow really isn't disrupted in mm-hmm. any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any roadmap that you can talk about? More interrupt. So (laughs) basically what we're going to be doing in the near future, and you're actually seeing some of this coming out in Insider Builds already, is we're going to be making it so that Linux processes are more um, on par with Windows processes. So, for example, we just released a change such that um, if you run a Linux process that needs to have access through the firewall, we now pop a fancy tooltip the way that you would for a Windows process. Oh, okay. So if you're running Python and you need to punch a hole through the firewall to be able to see your web app or you're running Nginx or SSH server, now we'll pop a really nice like, hey, do you want to allow SSH through your firewall? Um, things like that. Um, they seem like little fit and finish type things, but it really changes the experience because we live in a weird world where Linux forward people don't always know how to interrupt with the Windows firewall yep. and Windows developers don't always understand what needs That's to happen That's actually a really good Linux. point. Well, and not to mention, if there's like one thing holding you back from using it, it's mm-hmm. going to stop you from using it. Yeah, it's just frustrating. And if you can't find the documentation online or you don't know which thing to look up, like you don't know whether you're looking up Windows or Linux instructions, it genuinely gets really confusing. So now Linux processes are in the task manager. You can see them in Procmon. They have IDs and they're discoverable. Um, you can manage them. You can pass them through the firewall. And it's really pretty integrated. Um, also file system changes. So we just introduced folder level case sensitivity into NTFS. So it used to be interesting because you oh, could create case-sensitive... Li- okay. Yeah. yeah, but you used to be able to create case-sensitive files in WSL, and then Windows would just pick whichever one it found first, <laughs> which is not super desirable. Yeah. And NTFS has always had um, case-sensitivity support, but now we surface it on a folder level. So okay, that's, that's been good. interesting. Stuff like that, though, like little fit-and-finish interop things and deep integration into tools like VS Code. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so this morning there was an announcement that... Uh, was essentially about making it easier to set up your machine. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it kind of fits in with uh, your teams? Yeah, so the project itself is for developer setup scripts. So you get a new machine, you probably spend like half a day setting this thing up, and our team is just frustrated with that. (laughs) And so we saw different projects that are out there, particularly Box Starter and Chocolatey, and we're like, what if we could get these things together and get a script that gives you a one-click install that you can run in just a few minutes. Go grab coffee, you come back, and your developer box is set up. And so that's essentially the goal of this project. Mm -hmm. And so the role that WSL plays in that is we have a web dev setup script. And so we've essentially put a three-line script that allows you to install WSL from the command line. So you can actually script your install of this thing now. So that not only will get WSL and your distro of choice on your box, but 
in a complete development environment so I can get going on my, my web framework of choice. Yeah. So you can get know the long with this, Hyper-V. It gets a pile of things and uses Chocolatey to help you go and get that. And the way in which it's a one-click install is through Box Starter. That's awesome. Yes, I want to use that. <laughs> I mean, Jason and I are really big fans. We already have Box Starter scripts that go back, you know, probably eight, nine years. And it's really cool to see, you know, that being, you know, not only evolved, but integrated in uh, through this. Because when you think about it, it's like this is this is a tool that's automating not only the installation of, of applications, but it's pulling it from the store. It's sending it commands. And then inside of that sandbox, it's setting up more stuff. So it, it, it seems like it's something that was going to save just a ton of time. Yeah, and I mean, the level we want to take it to is... One side of it is being able to install WSL. The next level is being able to install tools on WSL. Yeah. So that's really where we want to take this thing. Very cool. Anything else that you guys are dying to tell us about all of this? <laughs> oh, man. Um, really nerdy detail, so I have no idea if people are going to take <laughs> us up on this. But one of the things I'm most excited about, actually, is... Um, one of the, what we've now introduced AF Unix to Windows. So not directly WSL related, but Linux since the dawn of time has used AF Unix, so socket address family for inter-process communication. I'm just going to keep nodding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yep, so sorry, yep. I'm an operating systems nerd, no, so this had to come out. out but, I love it. It's awesome. um, but Linux since the dawn of time has used AF Unix for inter-process communication. We actually just brought AF Unix to Windows, so you can use AF Unix between Windows processes, which is great if you're moving a app or a program over from Linux land to Windows land. But the other thing you can do is communicate between a process on WSL and Windows. So now you have this really rich opportunity to create really native experiences like cross Windows and Linux. So you have a, a piece of software that genuinely takes dependencies on things in both worlds. Um, this is brand new, so nobody's really used it yet, which is yeah. why I wanted to talk about it and why I'm excited <laughs> about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I keep waiting to see what people build with these tools. We're building a lot of platform stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, there's libraries like that are available on Linux, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, there's the same thing that happens on Windows. So, I mean, if you have one library on each, so this would let you sort of combine those things. Into yeah, it's basically a truly cross-platform application that it has elements of Windows and Linux in it. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But there's a lot of applause in the background. I know, right? Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not even live. Yeah, I knew it was cool. Told you. No. <laughs> so um, how would you even distribute an app like that then? Um, well, I mean, you could take a dependency on the Windows Store. Like, we have ways okay. to, to communicate what things you require in order to run okay. something. So I'm sure we'd figure it out. Put it this way. If the problem we have is figuring out how to mark that dependency, in my view, we've won. Yeah. Um, so it gives us a lot of freedom to do interesting things within Microsoft. And um, it's obviously out in the public, so other people could also use this. Um, but, yeah, we're going to have to solve a lot of problems like that as we yeah. go. So I can just imagine the user, like, Step one, install Windows. Step two, install Linux. Yeah. <laughs> it's like step three, step install three, this profit. application. Yeah. And it, if you use our box starter script, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, anything else? I think that's about it. Okay. Yeah, we're excited for which the future is, which, of this thing. To be clear, is plenty, by the way, because it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so There's cool. There's a lot of new yeah. stuff. And it, and it just feels like you're you're like removing a lot of the rough edges, too. I mean, when I yeah. first used this when it came out, it was like, oh, don't use this, don't touch this, don't, don't do this, it'll blow up, and... And now, you know, use it and like you, you just expect things to work the first time. Like we're, we're to that point now, which is yeah. great. 
Yep. In fact, that's a really interesting point. So for, for people out there listening and also for you guys, we work to the point where we really want feedback about where those rough edges are. Like we fixed enough things yeah. that we knew are wrong that now we really do need to know like, hey, what was your expectation when you ran that? Like when you started that, Damon, did you expect it to close when you closed the window? When you started your machine, you know, like... There, there are so many weird aspects to running a full operating system as an app on another operating system that genuinely we want to see how people are using this. And we think that it's hardened enough that we really do need that feedback about expectations. And how do we get feedback systems? to you? Great. Um, so there are two main ways. So if you have a feature suggestion, mm-hmm. um, we have a pile of feedback in user voice. And that's nice because you can upvote things that are already in there. So we have some idea of volume. If you have a bug, we do have a GitHub issue tracker that's like AKMS dot my, or AKA.MS, like WSL issues. Yep. So. Okay. Yep. Very cool. Uh, so where can people find you guys? So Sarah, where can, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm virtual schoolie on Twitter. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And Tara, where can people find you? Also on Twitter, Tara underscore MSFT. Okay, that is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking about the Windows subsystem for Linux and all the coolness that goes along with that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.